Let's draw a parallel between the two. Both suffer a fall from grace as a result of free will. Our admiration for Adam before the fall is remote. Their elevated language, perfection and goodness distances them. Adam and Eve have to sin before we relate to them and feel the kind of emotional connect. Do we see a conflict here between the poet's intention and the result? Satan undoubtedly engages our attention, imagination and emotions far more. Why then, we wonder, did Milton invest so much majesty and power in Satan? Perhaps an adversary to God, a tempter of the mother of mankind, Eve, had to be impressive with a magnificent dramatic stature. He had to have that character and presence. His glamour, his rhetoric, courage as a defiant maverick prove irresistible for us. Certainly, Milton, in spite of himself, was for a while carried away by the creation of his own imagination. Look at the odds against him. He has to wage war against the omnipotent. He still persists and struggles in the conflict with heroic energy and endurance. Even though he is consumed by hate, envy and wicked passion for revenge, we are overpowered, we must admit that, by his indomitable determination and energy. Psychologically complex, morally ambiguous, eloquent, Satan is definitely appealing. Let us see how Milton portrays the Fians. Milton's Fians, his spirits, are wonderful creations not metaphysical abstractions or wicked men or ugly beasts. They are intelligible to human beings and their characters, like their forms, are marked by a certain dim resemblance to those of men, but of course exaggerated to gigantic dimensions and veiled in mysterious gloom. Satan's troops regroup in hell, their frenzied activity is, we know, ultimately futile. Hell, the abrupt nature of the reader's encounter. What's our immediate experience like? It's powerful, disorienting, darkness visible, the sublime paradox that exercised the romantic imagination. Like the fallen angels, we are stunned by the velocity we are lost in the dark of the infernal regions. Look at Eden. Eden is both a physical garden and a state of grace, enjoyed by humanity before the fall. Hell is the dwelling place of lost souls, and the reader is perplexed. No light, but rather darkness visible, served only to discover sights of woe, Regions of sorrow, doleful shades where peace and rest can never dwell. Hope never comes that comes to all. Look at the consequences. Milton's hell sweeps aside classical medieval obsessions with the physical details of punishment. Here it concentrates on psychological torments. Imagine it's a totally bleak existence. No hope, 
no expectation of change, no confidence of better times ahead, only endless pain, no respite, the torment of it. Chosen to deny God's grace, no relief, no closure of death, eternal damnation. And what does Satan do in this hell? He defiantly attempts the impossible. He plans to construct a future in hell. The pain of his past bliss, the pain of his loss is there. He tries to make sense. He tries to define what he sees all around him. When he first sets eyes on Beelzebub, he exclaims, If thou beest he, but oh, how fallen! The deep sense of void, the pain of his loss is so palpable. When you come to the council, Moloch, which means king in Hebrew, he is the fiercest spirit that fought in heaven and now fiercer by despair. He is all brawn and muscle and physique, strength and stamina, but not brains. So he declares open war, defeat and survival. No, he clamors for another battle. It's good theater, but will it work? Moloch won't admit it, but he knows it can't be won. So in the council, he is overruled. Then we see Belia. Belia is soft-spoken. He is smooth. He is timid, fearful and afraid. Echoes Hamlet's love of talk and aversion to action. Though slothful and ineffective, he gives a splendid speech in the council. See how these fiends come alive as individuals in their own right. Beelzebub, second in command, he's a superhero, the supervillain, a crony of sorts to Satan. And look at the poise and confidence with which he puts forth the plan to corrupt God's newest creation, man. He's derisive, splendidly dismissive of the plans of all the other demons. Mammon means greed. But then paradoxically, he suggests contentment, selfhood, to live to themselves. Since they don't owe God anything, just to be, so let them just remain as they are. Overall, you find the fallen angels are full of bombast and military splendor. When you say paradise lost, what are the things that come to your mind? Political and theological arguments come to our mind first. Yet, there's a tender celebration of love. Eve surrenders to temptation, partly to be closer to Adam, the more to draw his love. She wishes for the freedom to err. What's faith, she asks, what's love, virtue, unassayed? When she does succumb, what does Adam do? He chooses to join her. 
And what does he say? To lose thee were to lose myself. How can I live without you? How forego thy sweet converse and create another Eve and I another rib afford? Yet loss of these would never leave from my heart. Coming to the 20th century, Milton's legacy was fiercely contested by none other than T.S. Eliot, Ezra Pound. In recent years, however, Philip Pullman called Milton a greatest public poet. He loves Milton's audacity, things unattempted yet in prose or rhyme. He loves his musicality. No one, he said, not even Shakespeare, surpasses Milton in his command of the sound, the music, the weight, the taste and texture of English words. He was enchanted by the poems, magical in quality, incantatory quality, the oral experience. Look at the rolling swells and peals of sound and the powerful rhythm and the rich harmonies. He said the very form casts a spell. Each rereading brings intoxication, exhilaration and exhaustion. Issa describes Paradise Lost as a poem about questioning unshakable authority and unshakable hierarchy, questioning the unquestionable. And whenever the established political order is cracking open, that's also when Milton's character of Satan assumes new life. When you have this great sympathy and empathy with the devil, on the one hand, it might be because I think humanity intrinsically knows the allure of evil and how easy it is to slide into it. Milton's figure is defined by cunning eloquence and the ability to manipulate into bringing about their own ruin. He doesn't often act through direct violence, but by deceit and lies. This is how the Miltonic devil ensnares his prey. Satan is this really charismatic, transfixing image of evil that differentiates from the previous medieval depictions of the devil as a demonic monster. 